Success comes in many different ways when it comes to baseball. And you may be asking, Ryan, was the Nationals a success story in 2023? Let me tell you why. They absolutely were. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And I'm your host, Ryan Clary. You can catch me over on Twitter at RyanClary11. And as well as make sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to hit that notification bell as well. And subscribe over at Locked On Nationals over on YouTube. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And of course, later on in today's show, Jerry Depoto, the president of baseball operations for the Seattle Mariners, he kind of had some interesting comments about building a team and really building a championship team that I think actually kind of goes along the lines of the Nationals plans. But Do his comments make any sense at all? And do they really align with what the Nationals should be doing? We'll discuss that later on. Also, the Nationals and their needs heading into this offseason. There were two pretty big holes, in my opinion, as you may be seeing right on the rundown here on Locked On Nationals over on YouTube, first base and third base. Let's talk about those needs and really what could happen entering this offseason as there's some battles going on, but we'll just have to see how that plays out. But let's start off with this. The Washington Nationals, 2023, let's rip this Band-Aid off right here, right now. 2023 was a big success for this Nationals team. We talked about kind of how the wheels fell off over the last month. The Nationals, they got hit around a lot of different times. But as we all kind of covered, the Nationals had one of the tougher schedules to end the 2023 season. In fact, they had the toughest schedule entering that August all the way through September stretch. You played some nice bad teams like the Chicago White Sox, but you also play teams like the Atlanta Braves, the Baltimore Orioles, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Milwaukee Brewers, the Marlins, all the different NL East opponents the Nationals faced as well. This season, though, we threw the win in the loss columns out of the way here. This was never going to be about wins and losses about the Nationals in 2023, and while they were good, now good, not by winning standards by any stretch of the imagination, but they were 71 and 91. Just last year, after winning in the mid 50s, being one of the worst teams in all of baseball, the worst team wins and losses wise in all of baseball, this Nationals team took a step up. You may be asking, well, if it's not about wins and losses, then what was it about? It was about the development of these young guys, the young core of this team, the foundation of the next Nationals postseason team. And there are three guys in particular, and really four guys, if you count all the young guys in there. C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray, and Kibert Ruiz. Let's start off with C.J. Abrams, because in my opinion, getting the shortstop position filled is one of the most important things a team can do. Having that guy who's only now 23 years old, happy belated birthday to C.J. Abrams, C.J. is going to be the shortstop of the future. 
there is no question in my mind that this guy has what it takes. And I think the numbers really just indicated that he's going to get better and he's going to get even stronger. He's going to have some opportunities to be a very special all-star kind of talent. When we entered this season, a lot of us were kind of talking about who's going to be the face of this national team. I'm willing to be right here right now say that C.J. Abrams, that's the guy. That is the guy that you're going to be building around. Now, is he going to be the superstar Bryce Harper type back in the early 2010s leading this team? I don't think he's going to be on that level. Not many people are on Bryce Harper's level, if we're being honest here. But looking at what Abrams has done, really what he did from age 21 into his age 22 season, there were improvements. And again, let's reiterate this fact. He's still young. He's still learning the game. This is someone who kind of got rushed up through the minor leagues in the San Diego Padres system, got the call up last year after Fernando Tatis had all sorts of issues injury-wise and as well as getting that suspension. And then he got traded to the Nationals in which he spent a week and a half, two weeks down in Rochester, got called back up to the majors, stuck with the Nationals all the way through the entirety of this season. So going into this year, I wanted to see a little bit more last year because the hitting numbers for C.J. Abrams back in 2022, they were pretty pedestrian, if we're being honest. But going into this year, I saw improvement. And last year in particular, C.J. Abrams could not hit an off-speed pitch. All of his big hits came off fastballs. And when you're young, when you're only 21 years old, going up against big league talent and really having no cushion whatsoever in this lineup, that was kind of expected. But now in this year, in 2023, the big improvement where I saw, and I think this kind of goes to show you the growth and the leap that C.J. Abrams has made over the year. C.J. had a 258 slugging on off-speed pitches in 2022. He saw a lot of off-speed pitches as well. Going into 2023, he saw a lot of them again. He had a 627 slug on off-speed pitches. Now, obviously, there's a lot of misses there. There's a lot of swings that are right down the middle in the zone for pitches that were indicated to be down the middle. You can certainly see that. But also with C.J. Abrams, there's a lot more to that. Because as we know, as we've all covered, since he got into that leadoff spot on mid-July, early July, that's when C.J. Abrams kind of took that next step. That's when we kind of saw the C.J. Abrams that we all expected to see from day one. The former top 10 prospect in all of baseball. A top 10 pick back in the MLB draft way back in 2019. This is what we expected when it came to C.J. Abrams. And this year, broke the franchise record for stolen bases in a single season with 47. Inching out Trey Turner for 46. But from July... All the way through the end of the season, this was his slash line. A 257 batting average, a 318 OBP, a 434 slug, and a 752 OPS. Now, again, this isn't some world-beating numbers. This isn't something that we're going to parade around town for. They're good. But most importantly, they're a big step up from what last year was. And also in that time frame as well, he had 38 of his 47 stolen bases from July all the way through the end of September there into October 1st. That is the impact that C.J. Abrams had on this team. That is the impact that you will continue to see down the line when it comes to his development. And I even think there's going to be room for more growth. Because in fact, if you were to look at it, C.J. Abrams was the guy that kind of catapulted this team into that hot stretch back in July. And it was alongside Lane Thomas as well. That one-two combo this year 
was pretty legit. And Lane Thomas is also part of this conversation as well, but we kind of know what's going to come with him down the line when it comes to all the outfield prospects we have down in the minors. That's for a different topic for a different day. But also, on the other hand, you have Mackenzie Gore and what he showed for the Nationals this year. You look at some of the numbers, and yes, he gave up a ton of home runs. He was hurt by the long ball all year because this year he had 1.8 home runs per nine innings, and that was up from 0.9 back in 2022. And Mackenzie Gore never pitched for the Nationals in 2022. He was shut down after getting traded here, and we all know that was the right decision to do because he was healthy for basically the entire season. He dealt with some blister issues, but that's going to happen over time when you're pitching every five days. And when you're healthy, all those innings are going to add up. Mackenzie Gore, I've always said this. I think we all kind of believe in the fact that Mackenzie Gore has the highest ceiling of any Nationals pitcher, and it's not even close, for being honest. Josiah Gray was the all-star this year. He was deserving of it as well. Lane Thomas deserved this shot as well, but that's not on Josiah. That's on MLB, Major League Baseball, and the fans. But when you talk about what Mackenzie Gore has done this year and really just kind of get into the nitty-gritty of it, Mackenzie Gore, if you were just to watch him, if you were to just see what he does and kind of command the mound out there and really kind of take his time out there, even in today's baseball world where there's a pitch clock and you have a time that you have to get to the plate, Mackenzie Gore was kind of the man out there. He was the guy who you want out there on Game 7 of the World Series. He kind of had that cold-blooded heart in him, you could say. And even then, the numbers, they may not indicate a great season for him. We saw the spotty moments. You saw the beginning of this year and really what he was doing. He was the team's best pitcher, in my opinion, outside of Josiah Gray for the first month and a half, two months of the season. And even then, you can make the argument that he was even a little better than Josiah Gray because the numbers do kind of tell us that Josiah Gray got a little lucky at times. He had some really solid defensive outings behind him. He was walking a lot of guys. In fact, Josiah Gray walked more batters this year than he did last year. At least he did per nine innings. But when you're looking at Josiah and Mackenzie Gore in this matter, you have your top two guys. You have guys that are under team control for quite some time now entering an offseason in which you could make that jump into being a contender. So having those two pieces, and as well as Jake Irvin, coming really out of nowhere, in my opinion, Jackson Rutledge, he looked promising as well. There's a lot of different things to like with this team. And when you're talking about the success of this national squad entering the offseason, those guys needed to make it happen. Because the Nationals, we all know this. You got the prospects. You have the stuff down in the minor leagues with Dylan Cruz and James Wood and Brady House and Robert Hassel, all the big prospects. You got those. But it's just a matter of developing them. And as well, already up in the major league level, your young guys, your young core, the foundation of your team. And I think that's very important into building a successful, really perennial contender going into the October baseball. Because as we've seen, the Philadelphia Phillies, they got that. The New York Mets, you feel like they would have that? Not really this year, obviously. But when going and talking about postseason baseball, a lot of these teams have built through the farm system. It's not just as easy as spending and getting all these different things. Obviously, it would be very nice. It would be very cool for us to spend money the way that the Dodgers do or the Yankees or the Astros even. 
but we aren't them. So you have to find ways to succeed. And I think the Nationals, they found a nice little collaboration between the front office and the baseball team as well in just getting into that next territory of being a contending squad. I'll kind of have more on that a little bit later on in the show and kind of how building a foundation will really help this Nationals team heading into the offseason. But now, I do want to talk about some two glaring holes with this Nationals team because I think this is something where, number one, you do have prospects available for this, but these are big holes. And the Nationals, they could be contending in 2024. What will they do? It's going to be an early preview of the offseason here. But the corner out in corner infield spots, rather, they got some question marks on there. I'll discuss that and really kind of get into what I want to see and what we want to see as fans going forward. But before we get into that, let me tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel and snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet that's two hundred dollars in bonus bets win or lose if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel there's no better time to get on the action and the app is so easy to use there's a wide range of betting options including spreads player props over-unders and more like the commanders they play the Chicago Bears tomorrow night the Chicago Bears haven't won a game since last October people that is almost a year to the date you better you better Hammer the commander's money line like I'm going to do. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Now we get back into it as the Nationals head into a massive, massive offseason. But with all that said, there are some holes on this team and there are some holes that may not be the easiest of answers when talking about prospects. And we all know this. First base with Dominic Smith this year, defensively, nothing bad you can say about Dominic Smith. But here's the matter of the fact, you have to have production over at first base when it comes to your offense. And Dominic Smith did not cut it. Now, here's the good thing. The Nationals, you have money to spend. You do. It may not make all the sense in the world to spend on a first baseman when you probably could add a starting pitcher or two. It doesn't make all the sense in the world when maybe you could add a second baseman or even a third baseman or even an outfielder. But heading into this offseason, I think first base is the biggest need outside of the starting pitching. Because we all know this. Let's get this out of the way. Starting pitching, you can never have enough of. You just simply do not. Injuries happen. A lot of different things happen. Pitchers and some guys just have bad years. Well, outside of that conversation, First base is the job that I think kind of needs to be filled. And I like Dominic Smith. I actually think Dominic Smith was a lot better than what people thought. Obviously, the hitting numbers, they weren't there. The metrics, they were not there. But if you look at what he did defensively, do you guys remember the last two months of the season with Joey Manessis in 2022 over at first base? Do you guys remember Luke Voigt as well playing a defensive first base? It was not pretty. It was never pretty, in fact. Josh Bell as well, while he was better than those two guys, even then, it wasn't up to par. So heading into into this year, we knew this one thing. Dominic Smith is going to solidify the defensive first baseman position. The big question mark was what he was going to do offensively. And at this moment, 
in today's Major League Baseball climate, you cannot have a first baseman that puts up the numbers of Dominic Smith. It's just not going to work. You're not going to have a big offensive heavy position over at first base, especially in the National League when you have Freddie Freeman, all those different guys around there over at first base. You need kind of that slugger type to fit that category of a big, heavy-hitting first baseman. And while it's hard to find that that equal mix of someone who is good defensively and as well as good at the plate, you can find that mix. And there's one free agent in particular that I really like heading into this offseason. The reason why I like this person is, number one, it's going to be a relatively cheap deal for pretty solid production, in my opinion. And that is first baseman Reese Hoskins from the Philadelphia Phillies. And Reese Hoskins, not a great defensive first baseman. We can say that right now. Coming off a torn ACL in this year, missed the entire season. If you saw last night, if you're watching the postseason game, you saw him throughout the first pitch, electric. Philly loves him. Going into this offseason, he is kind of one of those guys who I would say, I would take the one-year risk on him. If you remember last offseason, we talked about Cody Bellinger and taking that risk and going the one-year $20 million route and giving him a little more money than he probably deserves, and then hopefully he works out for you, and then you either extend him or you either trade him at the deadline in hopes that he does well, and you kind of have that Jamar Candelario type of deal just from what we saw this past deadline. That is the market that I think the Nationals should be in. Now, will they be in that market? That is the ultimate question because Reese Hoskins isn't going to be cheap, and we know this, the Philadelphia, the Phillies, They are going to try to re-sign him. They will. It's not going to be anything expensive. And also, he's going to be a hot commodity on the market because, in my opinion, he's probably one of the better first basemen on the market entering this offseason. And he's going to be pretty cheap. So teams are going to be willing to kind of up that money for a one-year rental if Reese Hoskins can return to form. And if he does return to form, he's going to help your offense tremendously. And especially for this team, for this Nationals team, a team that did not hit many home runs at all. A team that lacked a ton of power for the second straight year that's trading away Josh Bell and Juan Soto. You kind of need someone who has that 40 home run potential in them. You kind of have to have someone who can replace those big power bats because Joey Manessis took a step back power-wise. He didn't hit his home runs the way he did last year from August all the way through September. And at this moment, it's kind of tough to say that you can rely on Joey Manessis to bounce back from that. Because, let's be honest, in 2022, Joey Manessis and the hot streak that he went on, kind of playing at that MVP level type, or a silver slugger type as well for the last two months of the season, that was never going to really happen throughout 2023. He kind of leveled out a little bit, had a good year, had some really solid moments, killed the baseball as far as doubles go, but he did not have his home run numbers, at least at the rate that he did in 2022. So first base, that is something that you're going to need to really kind of Think about this offseason. This is going to be something that the Nationals, they hopefully will address this position in the sense that they need more production. Because the Nationals, as we've kind of talked about in this first segment, they aren't that far away. It may seem far away, but even then, if you were to get one to two big bats, you're going to be looking a lot different. And I think the Nationals, it's a possibility to do that as well. But also, on the other hand, third base. Third base was something that was kind of been a mess since Anthony Rendon has left. It was supposed to be Carter Keyboom's job. 
He has not taken that and he has not run with it whatsoever. Then you sign Jamer Candelario this offseason, played very well, and you trade him at the deadline, which is always going to be the case for this Nationals team. But now it kind of enters the weird thing, where you have a prospect in Brady House and Trey Lipscomb, who were both drafted, well, Brady House was drafted as a shortstop. Everyone kind of knew he was going to be a third baseman in the bigs. And Trey Lipscomb was drafted as a third baseman, but is looking more like a utility guy who can play a very good defensively third base, by the way. But when you're talking about all these different things, how will the Nationals address it entering 2024? Because in this season, the third base production is very similar over to first base. It was not good enough post-Jamer Candelario. Candelario was the guy. He was the man in the first half of the season. Probably the Nationals' best bat outside of Lane Thomas. In fact, he was the best bat outside of Lane Thomas in the first half of the season but you had to trade him away. You had to get the assets for him while you could because his price tag was never higher. And if you look at the guys we got, DJ Hers, one of the better pitchers for the Nationals down the stretch down in AA Harrisburg, and Kevin Madej, he was not that good. But even then, DJ Hers, that's the guy. That is the guy that you're going to be looking forward to being a Washington National hopefully in 2024. But the Nationals at third base, they got to do something here. I don't know what that is at this moment. Is it kind of being aggressive with Trey Lipscomb, hoping that he can make the jump into the major leagues by maybe mid-May to early June at that moment? I think that is a possibility, and that is why I don't think the Nationals will kind of spend that the way that they should over at first base. I don't think they're going to be blocking guys like Brady House and Trey Lipscomb. But now what does that leave us to? Is it Carter Keyboom that's going to be over at third base? Is it going to be a platoon with Keyboom and as well as Ildemar Vargas, who got that one-year extension with this ball club? Because that is kind of the part where I am confused with. That is the part where I think the Nationals could do another J-Mare Candelario deal, not with him specifically, but someone along those lines to kind of see if they can bounce back and trade him for something. Because again, the Nationals, they're going to be in that market regardless, whether it's a starting pitcher, whether it's a cat, whatever it is, the Nationals are going to be in that market to sign free agents to then flip them at the deadline. It's just a matter of which position they choose to kind of get those kind of guys. Is it going to be first base? Will it be third base? Will it be another outfielder? Who knows at this moment in time, but the Nationals, they should be aggressive in this department because as we've seen, J-Mare Candelario, that was a big success for this team to kind of stockpile your bolt or your uh, farm system depth. In the Nationals, in the rest of Major League Baseball, a lot of those smart teams, they do that. They do these signings to do exactly that. And this Nationals team, as we talked about yesterday, it's very top-heavy with talent. As you kind of get down, the talent kind of dishes off a little bit. And I want to see that kind of stockpile a little bit more, especially for a team that's hasn't been that good over the last few years and should be stockpiling talent when it comes to the MLB draft. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Jerry DePoto, the president of baseball operations, made an interesting comment yesterday in his end of the year presser. We'll discuss that, but before we get into that, let me tell you guys about our friends over at bird dogs and guys i love bird dogs because as first as soon as i saw these bird dogs pants that i put on 
I felt a big difference because I have tree trunks for legs. Sometimes I don't really like wearing shorts because some of them don't always fit me, but I can tell you this, Bird Dogs fits me perfect. And Bird Dogs, they have stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. A look. And also, when you talk about Bird Dogs, they fit way better than regular shirts that are made of a stiff restricting cotton bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement and also bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long bird dogs are functional for any occasion going golfing going out on a date an evening out a pool a workout whatever it is bird dogs has you covered so go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB or enter pro promo code locked on MLB at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't take you won't want to take your bird dogs off. I can promise you that. Now we get back into it as the Nationals entering a big offseason obviously. But I kind of want to take a step back here because Jerry DePoto, the president of baseball operations for the Seattle Mariners, had some interesting comments. And basically, the moral of the story here is he said that you have to win at a 54% clip over a 10-year period in order to win a World Series and was basically at the podium yesterday kind of begging his fans to be patient. That is, number one, just really bad. (laughs) Really bad regardless of what you stand on here. Is he right? Maybe. You could probably look at the numbers and crunch them and say, yeah, you have to have sustained success in order to win a World Series. That's one of those things where it may be true, but you also may not want to say that publicly. And in fact, it probably is relatively true. But here's also the thing, though. You can't talk out of both sides of your mouth, especially when you're talking to a fan base like the Seattle Mariners, a team that was so good last year and seemed to be on the up, and Jerry DePoto was getting praise. I know the Locked On Mariners guys, they were having so much fun last year. They were having a lot of fun this year in the second half as well, but they fell apart. And to sit there a few days after you let the season slip through your hands, you felt like you had a postseason spot just up to a a week or so ago, and you say, that the fans will have to be patient. And this was kind of some of the quotes that came out of this and kind of how it relays to the Nationals and what we should be thinking as fans going forward. Quote, we're actually doing the fan base a favor and asking for their patience to win the World Series. This also came after he said, well, chasing a World Series would have left us, quote, stuck in the mud. Chasing a World Series series would have left you stuck in the mud. Mr. DePoto, what are you doing? What are you saying? Why are you saying this out loud? Here's the thing with fans. Fans don't know everything. We don't know everything. We kind of acknowledge that, but also don't spit in our face. You can't just tell us that you're going to have to be patient for this World Series. My guy, you went all in. You guys have stunk forever. You have been one of the worst franchises in all of sports for quite some time now. Number one, the fans in in Seattle, they have been patient. That is a very patient fan base because number one, if I was a Mariners fan, 
maybe I'm different. I probably wouldn't have showed up over the last week after you have the season really just slip from your hands and really just another epic collapse for that Mariner squad. These comments just never made any sense. And this also comes after their president of business operations, Katie Griggs, said back in February 28th, 2023, we are not asking you to be patient anymore when talking to Seattle fans. You cannot have these two different sayings, number one, right before spring training, and then after the season, you say, you're going to have to be patient in order for us to win a World Series. Yeah, obviously, you're going to have to be patient. But also, it's your job to put a World Series team out there. And if you were to say, over the season, in entering spring training, entering the 2023 season, the Mariners were in the mix of being a World Series team. You saw all the pieces they had in that bullpen. You saw the pieces that they had in the starting rotation. A lot of young talent, Julio Rodriguez returning, kind of slumped over the entire season. A lot of different things went wrong for them. You traded away some of your top prospects last year, Noel de Marte with the Cincinnati Reds right now, who killed the baseball to end the season. You got Luis Castillo back, who is your ace. He's a great pitcher, but even then, you went for it. You making that move kind of goes to show you like, hey, we're here. We're here to stay. We're here to contend. We're here to compete. And now you're saying, we're actually doing the fan base a favor and asking for their patience to win the World Series. What? That is insane. So go. how does this relate to the Nationals? Well, number one, here's this. Mike Rizzo would never say anything this stupid, if we're being honest. Now, I'm sure they may think that. In fact, again, DePoto may not be wrong, but there are just some things you don't say aloud because we're fans and we're fans for a reason. We don't work in baseball. We don't construct teams for a reason. We root for the people who construct teams. We root for the players that you've constructed throughout your time. It's different. I understand that. But you cannot say these things out loud and then tell your fan base, "Hmm, be patient. We might win a World Series someday. That was supposed to be right now. So number one, thank God we have Mike Rizzo again. Mike Rizzo may not be the best executive in all of baseball, but he's certainly above average, and he's certainly respected to be one of those guys as well. And number two, he's done it. He's won a World Series. He has rebuilt this team from top to bottom. He's done it before, and that's why I have faith that he'll do it again. Baseball is different now, and that is true. Analytics are a big thing in baseball, in which this organization still kind of lacks, for being honest. But number one, this is true. After seeing these comments... I am so thankful for Mike Rizzo and what he does for this Nationals organization. And again, he's not the best executive in all of baseball. I can admit that. But he's still one of the better ones. And he's definitely above average. And Jerry DePoto, someone who is considered to be a solid, reputable executive in baseball, having these comments said out loud to a fan base who just got another gut punch, the second one in three years, really so many gut punches over the years since the Ichiro Suzuki days. What are you doing? Why are you saying this out loud? Again, some things are meant to be left in the noggin, and you just didn't. Now, you're going to probably feel the wrath of that fan base entering this offseason. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available 
wherever you get your podcast. And on tomorrow's show, we'll continue to get into the offseason as on Monday, this coming Monday, we will start player breakdowns and get into the nitty-gritty of all these different guys. C.J. Abrams, Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, Kibet Ruiz, Lane Thomas, all your favorite and every single national who appeared in some moments this year. We'll discuss that and we'll break down each and every player from this Nationals team starting on Monday. I'll talk to you guys more about that later this week. But of course, enjoy some postseason baseball. Go Nats. I'll catch you on the flip side.